What is up, y'all? I am your host, Eli Vasquez, and you are listening to the Self Hype Podcast, where we dissect and discover all things personal development, deeper thinking, and ways to unapologetically love ourselves in the digital age. What's up, y'all? Before we get into the episode, uh, I just want to share different ways we could be better connected in these digital streets, a space where we make the internet human and a space that we push each other to be our best selves. So one way you could join the family is our free Facebook group. Are you looking for an accountability group? Are you looking for a support system? Are you looking for a daily dose of motivation, content, interviews, and workshops? The Facebook group link is in the bio. It's free. Join it, and you get to hang out with multiple like-minded people in these digital streets. If you want to take it to the next level, we have our personal development accelerator program where you work with me personally and my self-hype team to help you improve your social media growth, improve your personal life, and to 10x your productivity. So if you're struggling with your mindset, if you're struggling with your business, if you're struggling with your overall relationships, if you're telling yourself, I'm having these bad days and they are taking me away from the relationships and the business growth and the money in my life, this is something to check out. Okay, so this is the beginning of this beautiful experience, which is the Self-Hype Podcast. And there's a lot of different conversations I want to have and a lot of different things I want to try creatively and everything else. And this is a format that we're really testing out. And and this format is an interview I did with my father uh, a year ago. But a little context about my dad. So in case you don't know who he is, he's Eli Vasquez Sr. Yes, I'm a junior. There you go. Insert laughter there. But yeah, my my father, in case you don't know who he is, he is the hot dad uh, at BuzzFeed. And he's in like multiple different videos. And everyone loves him. The, the thirsty comments alone are just overwhelming. So you may have seen him from there. But uh, through the years, we've been able to create digital content together and be able to connect with each other more. And uh, we swap diets. For a better like video, we uh, he styled me for a week for a better like video, and we got to exchange Christmas cards, which was quite emotional. But why I wanted to do this, and why I wanted to put this conversation in this episode, is for a lot of different reasons. One is to promote the fact that we should be having these conversations with the people that we love, intentional, real, in-depth conversations. The one, the questions that we usually don't ask from in the day-to-day life. I think, especially with me being a man myself and my father, it's not very much, we don't really get into the, the emotions or ask the questions that really kind of tell us who they are. And I think we kind of forget because we assume we know who they are. And yet there's still so much to learn with the people that are around us. So a little bit on a personal end of our relationship. My father had me when he was only 17 years old. And you get to hear a little bit about the context of our relationship in the episode. But it was a rocky relationship. And at one point, I totally cut him out of my life for six months. And he really thought he lost me. And I thought our relationship was, was over. And it was the rockiness of having someone like your father who's supposed to know everything about everything still growing up as a kid and making mistakes along the way as you were growing up as well. And I feared him and never really built any emotional connection with him. And he was just so selfish that he focused on himself that we really came to head at a certain point where I essentially cut him off for six months. 
it was a really hard time for both of us. But since that time, we reconnected and our relationship has never been stronger. And I think it's him finally reaching a point in his life where he's a man and I am my own man and myself. And so this conversation is a really beautiful moment in our lives, just kind of realizing that and him finally getting to a place to open up emotionally. All right, we're in the backyard, San Antonio, Texas, at my dad's apartment, zipping on beer. Mind you, he opened up the fridge and said, hey, Eli, this is the beer we have, a Coors, a Bud Light, and a Michelob Ultra. Knowing that when I opened up the fridge, I saw Coronas and whatnot, but he later told me this is the beer he's trying to get rid of, so I guess I'm helping him out by drinking his Bud Light. Oh, yeah, I love that sweet Bud. I'm being hydrated by every zip. No, um, so this is like, this is like the first episode of my self-hype podcast. I, I don't know what order I'm going to put this in exactly, but I just figured, you know, I came down, we did a bunch of awesome work for you and your club, which we'll get into and talk about and kind of hear your story. But I figured like, you know, I don't really know the, the energy I'm going to bring yet or, or what kind of structure I'm necessarily going to have. But if there's one thing I learned about moments is taking advantage of them and then being here and having this conversation. I think even if it does feel natural or if it is something that seems more organic than other conversations I have in the future with, with this podcast, I think that's okay because, you know, you are my father and we should be able just to be able to chop it up. I want to have this to be a little more personal, organic anyway. But yeah, well... We'll get into it. It's a lovely day here in my dad's deck. We're in San Antonio, Texas at his place. Just doing some social media work for his nutrition club. So yeah, I really want to talk to you and just hear about your story, hear about you know your, your upbringing, being a dad, being an entrepreneur, being Latino, all those things. It's interesting because we live far away, but we live such similar lives and lifestyles where we never really got to like sit down and talk the nitty-gritty, not only of business, but, you know, of life and everything else. So I guess first off, let's just hear your story and, and how you kind of came to be in, in San Antonio and in this industry. Well, when I came to San Antonio, uh, I came uh, for a girl, but it was not only that. I, I came, you know, I changed my life numerous ways when I came to San Antonio, but I had it when I was telling you a couple of days ago, I said when I was in Chicago when I started this business, Herbalife and the Nutrition Club, because I was in the region in the Midwest where I was born and raised and knew everybody and it was a, not easy but not as hard. Mm-hmm. I was upscaling, I was organically growing into this business, Herbalife and the Nutrition Clubs. And it was it was getting it was getting comfortable almost to a point. Still challenging, but it's very comfortable. When I came to San Antonio, I came for uh, Angie, my girlfriend, and also I had to start a new business. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a I was a diesel mechanic for 17 years before Herbalife. Yeah. And thank God I got injured. You know, back then when I did get injured, that's all I knew. I thought I was going to be a nine to five guy, work till I was 62 years old, get a retirement. And, you know, just live my days retiring and maybe work at Walmart because that wasn't going to do it for me. Mm. That was my that was my thinking. 
I don't know if I could picture you as one of those greeters. Well, I'll be, uh, well, I'll be the coolest greeter. Uh, you're the coolest not, greeter you know, there? You're thinking about what you're seeing now, but if it would happen, you would probably be a greeter if you would have saw me. But anyways, <laughs> well, that's a whole different life. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, but uh, anyways, but I came over here, well, like, again, I was a mechanic for 17 years. And I'm going to go with the mechanic real quick. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, because that's, that's a big thing, because... Growing up, I, I was there. Like, I remember the trucks. Like, I would see those Swift trucks drive by, and I knew that was what my dad did. He worked on those trucks. That was what you thought you were going to go into. So what was that moment of transition? How did that go about where you went from entrepreneur, from diesel mechanic to entrepreneur? When I was nine years old. Okay. When I was nine years old, my father used to be in a salsa band, and he's a singer. Mm. And when he used to come home from practice... He used to be one of the most funnest guys. He stopped being fun and chasing us around, tickling us and stuff like that. And he quit singing. I didn't know why, but he quit singing. And you know, I kind of tell, I, you know, back then you don't ask your father too many questions, but I kind of knew he wasn't singing no more. When I got a little older and stuff, because when, when I was nine years old, when he quit singing, when I knew he quit singing, he used to come home, not the same guy. He worked in the mill longer. He worked in the garage, the side hustle. Mm. You know, uh, my father's man of all men. He's old school. He's always going to provide for his family. And when I got older, in my early 20s, I asked him, I said, Pop, why did you stop singing? And I remember he told me, he goes, well, I have kids. And uh, I had a sacrifice, and I had to give it up for my kids. And I was like, wow. But I changed my mindset on that. He said he had to do it for his kids, so I just flipped it. But it took me a long time to do that, and I'll get into that later. But I remember how happy my father was when he was living his dreams. Mm. But he sacrificed his dreams for his children. So later on in life, I said, I'm going to do this for my children in a different way. Mm. That's when, when I was nine years old, I just noticed how my father's ways was. I was thinking, when I was in high school, I was going to be an actor. An actor? Yep. I was going to get into film when I was a kid. Were you in, like, art classes at all growing up, or was it... No, it just, you know, I saw me behind the camera. I just saw it, and I wanted to go to film school. I wanted to go to Columbia College, and my father told me I was crazy. Okay, so this is, this is interesting, because I heard, I heard the story from my mom where... Because in case anyone is wondering, I went to Columbia College, Chicago for film school. I knew you had aspirations to be an actor, but I never knew it was necessarily like a filmmaking Columbia College thing. Because I know my mom wanted to go to Columbia College for dance, because my mom was like an amazing dancer. Yes, she was. She was phenomenal, and yep. she always wanted to go to Columbia College. And it was the case where I told my mom, I had no idea she wanted to go to Columbia College first off. She never told me this. I found out through my grandmother as I, want, as I told my mom going through drama of convincing my mom to have me go to Columbia College, she never told me and she was giving me all this crap for it, for me leaving and for me like, taking this chance. But then my grandmother told me she, that her dream was to go to do this. So the, to hear the fact that you wanted to do that as well is very interesting. The reason why, because I met your mom. I never mm. knew there was an opportunity close by for me for Columbia, remember, I'm, you know, I was raised, my father worked in Inland and my mom worked in, in the hospital. She was a lab technician. 
So mm. all I just saw was corporate, but that wasn't in me. I know that wasn't in me. I was competitive. I was, back then I stuttered, but that didn't stop me mm. for talking to say what I had to say. And I was, that's why I got into sports a lot. So I was very competitive. But even though I stuttered, I felt like I should have been on the stage because I had something to say, something to tell or something to do or make people laugh and stuff. I love to uh, interact with people since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved it, but I wanted to show my talent. And I felt my talent was on stage. Even though I was an athlete, but I felt like my talent was on stage. So when I met your mother, she opened a new door for me when she was going to go to Columbia. And she told me that she wanted to be a dancer. And I'm like, wow, I want to do that. I could do that. I know I could do that. I'm made for that. But you know what? God, or whoever you believe, put people into your life for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the reason when I met Angie, you came. So, so that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. And I think it's gonna follow up with the very nice thing the parents say is that you were a blessing and you made me a better person because you were born. All the while kind of thinking, God damn it, what could have been. But it's fine, I'm sure, you know, what, what, what is regret? You know, just but, keep moving. But you know what? But you know what? He, uh, I didn't go to school. I didn't go. Uh, so when I told my father that I was going to be a father, and, I, and he told me, well, you're going to college days and being a singer and all that stuff, whatever you wanted to be on stage is done. Now you're a father, a young father. You're good with your hands. You helped me in the backyard, so now pick up a trade. So I told him, I said, well, how about cutting hair? I, I like to cut hair. No, you need insurance. You need this. You need something to, you're going to have a family. So you got to think like a father and raising a family. You need insurance and stuff like that. So I went to trade school. I became a diesel mechanic, and every single day I went to school, I hated it. I don't have nothing to guess about being a mechanic. That's a beautiful trade. But that wasn't in me. It was something I was forced to do because I saw my father give up his dreams because he was forced. Mm-hmm. He thought he was forced to do something that he didn't really want to do because he had a family. Yeah. Guess who, who was following his footsteps? I was. So I went to diesel mechanic school. I graduated and I got my job. Oh, whippy do. I was so happy. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, you know, I did what I had to do. You know, it was good, you know, 65000 a year. I thought it was good. I, that was the highest rate I got um, in 17 years towards the end. But a good thing happened to me that I thought it was one of the worst days I got injured. Mm-hmm. I picked up a hood. You know, I went to pick up a hood from a diesel truck, and I collapsed on the ground, not knowing what was wrong with me. And I found out later on that I'm going to need neck surgery. The wear and tears of being a diesel mechanic, and I used to work out a lot, not knowing about nutrition and stuff like that, with the recovery and stuff like that. So I used to work out, go to work, and never recover my body. And it was just a wear and tear. And I got numerous uh, car accidents, too, and never went to the hospital or, or emergency to check out my neck. So I was on workman's cop for a long time. I gained a lot of weight. I found Herbalife. My sister told me about this nutrition club. Uh, I said, what the heck? I, have, I thought Herbalife was a girl drink. I really <laughs> thought it was just a girl drink, but I went. I said, what the heck? It was a couple blocks away from my mom's house. I walked over there, had a couple uh, shakes and stuff, and I lost like 30 pounds within three months. 
Uh, yeah, three to four months. But again, you know, the nutrition is not a diet plan. It's a nutrition plan. It just opened the doors for me to live a healthy lifestyle. So I don't want to say that Herbalife is just a diet quick scam or something, mm-hmm. something like that. It's not. That opened the door for nutrition. I was like, wow, this is nice. So when I went back to Diesel, uh, to my job, in three weeks, they laid me off. And I asked my boss, I said, man, a man, because I was there for so many years. I was fourth in the totem pole of 25 mechanics. I asked him, why you laid me off? Tell me the truth. Am I not the same mechanic? Even though I didn't want to be a mechanic, but, you know, you take pride in what you do. Right. And he's like, you're not the same guy. Oh, that hurt. That really hurt. I went to Puerto Rico. I, I, took, uh, I bought a ticket, and I talked to my father. I was out there for almost a month, mm-hmm. depressed. Yeah, I lost the weight, but I, when he said I'm not the same guy, I said, Pop, I didn't know what to do. You know what he told me? All right. You should have went to barber school. <laughs> I said, I told you. He goes, I never said nothing to you. Look at your cousin. He's killing it. So, so this is some context for everybody. This is my grandfather. He is a mountain of a man. And how tall is he? How tall is he? Back then, six foot. He's six foot. Back then. But how old is he? How tall is he? Maybe 5'9". He's 5'9", <laughs> but when, when he carries himself like he's like... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> or something, but like thicker. Like, yeah. like he is a mountain of just his stature and who he is. He was frightening when I was a kid. Like loving, he's a loving like so grandfather, but he's still frightening. <laughs> like he's, but the thing is like he was such a hardcore man's man and uh, so stern where, yeah, it's funny to see that essentially. He's like, you should have just went for it. Yeah, so, so guess what I did? I listened to my father again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back, I went to barber school, graduated barber school, opened up a barber shop. But when I was going to barber school, I was still going to the nutrition club for Herbalife. Mm-hmm. My sponsor's mother, my future sponsor's mother, asked me if I want to go to a business, an opportunity meeting. I never heard of that. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll go. I don't got nothing to do. I'm not working. Yeah. So I went. I'm pretty good with numbers. I saw something. They saw something in me. I signed up, and uh, I started training in a nutrition club. So I was doing it part-time when I was going to school. But doing part-time, I guess it found me, or I found it, because once I signed up, I helped open the first general market in my region, in the Midwest. American, uh, because most of the Herbalife back then was Spanish market. So I opened up the first American general market nutrition club. And it was in the harbor, East Chicago, Indiana. Now, if anybody knows that area back then, is bad and it's still bad. Awful. Back then, when I was a kid, I used to run with gangs, sold drugs and stuff like that. And, you know, I know you don't want to hear this, but <laughs> because of you, I stopped. <laughs> so you saved, you kind of saved my life right there on um, that part because I got locked up a lot and fought a lot. I did a lot of bad stuff, you know. I hung around with gangs. I did what I had to do and stuff like that. Even though I wanted to get this career move, sometimes you just do what you have to do sometimes with who you hang with. Right. But, but because I was in Hammond, Indiana, I opened up a nutrition club in the harbor. You don't do stuff like that, especially the people who knows me, I'm not supposed to go to that side of town. If you know about gang territory, there's a Tory Toro, you can't, you can't go. Mm-hmm. I took a shot, I went. I'm like, I'm a little older, hopefully these guys forgot what I done. Wow. So I, could, I took a chance. 
a big chance with my life. So you're trying to sell product to people that you beat up at some point. Not beat up. <laughs> got, I got chased and got shot at. Oh, right. In that area. But I did it. You know, I was hoping, you know, hey, you know, it's the past. See what happens. So they told me, like, you can't open a nutrition club in the hood. You can't do it. And that's one word that fuels me is can't. Right. When somebody tells me I can't, it reminds me of the balls that said that I wasn't the same guy. So I use everything. When I stutter when I was a kid, they said I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't go on stage. The, my boss said this. All, you know, all that. I said, okay, I'm going to show everybody. Everybody made fun of me. Badass Eli. Papi Chulo at one time. Selling shakes and teas in the hood. Within three months, we averaged over 100 consumptions. And that was without social media. Wow. That was back in the day, flowering, shaking hands, and all that stuff. <laughs> I remember the flyers. I remember you making me and EJ literally go walk around the neighborhood and put flyers on cars and like just hand flyers out everywhere. Like that was like a part of it. And uh, yeah, I remember having shakes and then walking around the neighborhood and just putting flyers on stuff. You know what, to think about it now, it was social media that blew it up. Because back then, YouTube was coming out. Oh, okay. And uh, there was a local newscast, East Chicago News. This guy, he does right now, he's in Vegas, he announced fights. I forgot his name. But he was uh, upstarting his career, and he was like a news anchor guy for East Chicago. And he asked me if he could do a story in my nutrition club. I'm like, sure. I think it's still on YouTube. If you go on Harvard <laughs> Nutrition, it's probably still there. And you know what? Not to think about it, yes, the flyers did help, but the YouTube commercial blew everybody up because that's when everybody was getting on their phones now yeah. and YouTube was getting popular. So we shot that commercial in the hood and that's where different gangs, rival gangs were in my nutrition club, politics, uh, politicians, cops, detectives, neighborhood guys, they're all in my nutrition club. The hood was outside. And my nutrition club was Cheers. Funny. Because you have to carry the atmosphere and the, the energy. And I was that. And my team followed that. And I followed the team. Everybody felt that in there. All, all the 100 consumptions per day. But guess what? It was still the hood for me. So I moved on. Right. And I went to the suburbs. Optimal wellness. And guess what they told me when I went to the suburbs? You can't. You can't do that. You're from the hood. How can you open a nutrition club? You're a dark skinned reporter. You ain't no Ricky Martin Puerto Rican. You're like a Sammy Sosa Puerto Rican. <laughs> Sammy Sosa Puerto you can't do it in the suburbs. Oh, gosh. I did much better in the suburbs than I did in the hood. It took longer. Yeah. And I still had the barbershop. Um, I, I opened up a barbershop inside of Myers in Highland, Indiana. I helped open that. And we had two chairs. And now when I left... They have 14 chairs and three or four other barbershops after that when I left. Mm. But I will still do the barbershop and open up my level with nutrition. Yeah. My sponsor came up to me and he told me, he's like, oh, let me go back. I'm sorry. I opened up a Facebook and I saw Herbalife really intrigued. I was like, wow, I'm not doing Herbalife like that. You know why? Because I was not surrounding myself with the leaders. I thought I knew it all, even though I, was, I thought I was the shit, but No. I opened up a Facebook, I saw something, I'm like, wow, these guys are going on vacations, these guys are, are happy, I'm over here struggling like a 
yeah, I have my own business, but I'm not having too much fun. You know, it's kind of hard. So, and my sponsor always called me, text me like, hey, we're going here. Like, no, I know what to do. Come on, I'm 12 years older than you. What the, you're a kid, <laughs> you know. But he'd been, he been in this game longer than I have. That's why Les Brown said, you're never too, you're never too young to teach, but you're never too old to learn. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't fall on that. I just, I was arrogant. I was like, nah, yeah. you know, you're too young, kid. Get away from me. So I opened up a Facebook. I saw Herbalife Fun. So I talked to my sponsor, and back then, I was making, like, close to $2,000 a month in Herbalife, but I was making close to $4,000 at the barbershop. Wow. So I asked him, I said, hey, I want financial freedom. How do I do that? Sell the barbershop. Now, mind you, now, you're going to college. Right. EJ was in high school. He was becoming a dancer, and I already know how that went because he was like, oh, my God, this kid's going to be. So I have two. I got one behind the camera, and I got one that's going to be on in front of the camera somewhere. Right. So I'm like, oh, my God. And I have a daughter now. Yeah. Yeah, you have three kids. I mean, it's it sounds like it really came down to the point of, like, what do they say? It's, it's the uh, think and grow rich philosophy of burning the ships. It's like, what do you really want? It's, I don't know if you read Think and Grow Rich, the book. The audio. The, uh, the audio book. I yeah, audio book yeah. that too. I only okay, audio good. book my books. Okay. Like, okay. I don't, that's, that's, living yeah. in LA in the 45 minute commute, that's how I read my okay. books. I just audio book it. Okay. I think you're, you're in good company as okay, far I'm as that goes. Like your brother that reads all the books. No, my brother's book. the big, oh, we love him to death, but dear God, he's such an amazing, beautiful nerd and we love yeah. him for it. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's that amazing philosophy and mindset of those uh, soldiers that came down and the uh, general essentially said, you know, you, in order for us, for, for us to win this battle, we're going to burn the ships because there is no retreat. There's only this. This or we, or we die. That's the only way to get off this is if we win. So they literally burnt the ships behind them. They had no way out. And I, I can't help but feel when you said it, like, sell that barbershop, you're making double that at the barbershop. You easily could have been like so many other people and just settled. Yep. You know, you could have settled with that additional income. But you took a chance. I took a big the chance. Ship. I took a big chance because, you know, you know, four thousand dollars. I was making close to six thousand dollars, with but I was, yeah, I was worn down. I was getting tired. And what really, really changed my mind is when I picked up your sister, Annalisa. When I picked her up and she told me, you know, Dad, I don't want to go with you. Because it was my weekend. I'm like, why? He said, all you're gonna do is just sleep. That right there told me I can make money all day long, but I'm not going to make up time. Yeah. So, you know what? I sold the barbershop. Because me cutting hair, and again, I love diesel mechanics, <laughs> and I'm Barbara Love all day, but I, I saw myself behind that chair, and that's not financial freedom. So, I had to see myself how to get on um, autopilot, how yeah. I could move autopilot. So what I done, I sold, uh, I left the barbershop and I went to Optum Wellness, I refocused, I went to all the trainings, I surrounded myself with leaders, I sponged everything they taught me, young or old. I told myself I'm gonna double what I made and I'm gonna spend time with my kids. So in this industry or any industry you, you are gonna do or gonna have or even being a diesel mechanic or a barber, whatever you are gonna be, you need a why. Right. And that was when I found out about my why. My daughter opened up my why. And that's when I focused on the why. And that's when I said, you know, once you know your why, 
it will go towards your your worth. Yeah. So I sold, I left the barbershop, I went 100% Herbalife. After the training, I made close to $9,000. After the training, so this was, so you're making six with the barbershop and with Herbalife, but once you sold, once you sold that shop and you doubled down on Herbalife and this was it, you ended up making nine? I made up. So you made even more than yes. what you would. And I didn't do hardly nothing. You didn't do hardly nothing. All I did was listen, mm. trained, and focus on what he and she was telling me yeah. and just surround myself with leaders that have been doing it before me. That's really interesting. So I, I have to hit on this because I know people are going to wonder and question and hearing your story and all that is like you know you have to know the documentaries about Herbalife that are yeah. out there and the uh, pyramid marketing scheme and how it's ridiculed in all these ways and like all the negative kind of media that's surrounding Herbalife and in a, in a big thing that they display in those documentaries are a lot of people not making money like they're, they kind of get roped into it and they end up not having life for themselves if anything they go into debt so I guess hearing this story now that we're actually hearing from someone from Herbalife that is making income, what would you have to say to that media, those people, and the media surrounding Herbalife in that negative light, being that you've gotten success and there's highlight stories against that? Well, what I do and what a lot of Herbalife distributors make is what you put in it. You could do Mary Kay, you could do Avacare. You know, people think that... Um, like for myself and for the people that love this company and love their company and is in direct marketing, they think is you don't sell. What you sell is passion. They're not gonna buy what you sell. They're gonna buy what you. They're gonna buy what they see. They're gonna buy because if if I get a canister and I read it, I'm selling you something. Mm -hmm. But if it's in my gut and I believe in it, and I got my results from it, and you see it, you're not gonna hear, you're not gonna, you know, I'm not a guy, I'm not a sales guy, I'm not. I tell everybody, they're like, you're a good salesman. I'm not a salesman, I just have passion what I do. It's in my stomach, so when it's in my stomach, I'm speaking from my heart, it's in mm -hmm. my gut. That's why it sounds so beautiful, because I have passion for it. I love it, I love it, I love it, I'm in love with it. So people don't buy what you sell, people buy what they see, people see the passion. Yeah. That's what they move on. They move on like, man, this guy, this girl got it. All they got is what they're selling. They're selling what, what they're selling, the product sells itself. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to believe in the product, eat the product, live the product, and then people see the action is right there. The product is you, mm -hmm. that's it. Now, the pyramid thing, everything like that, it, you know, I, to me, it's politics. You know, everybody's like, oh, Eli, it's, it, you know, I don't want to get too much into depth in there because it is a marketing thing. And if you're in a pyramid, that's against the law and all that mm -hmm. stuff like that. And everybody's been around since 1980. It would have shut down a long time. Yeah, they've been in the news and all that stuff. But for me, I just, I say that's politics. I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is just hear what I got to hear, listen what I got to listen, train how I'm going to train from the corporate aspect. But when I come home, what I'm going to do and I'm going to do the best I can to feed the community with health and nutrition. Gotcha. That's, the, that's all I can do. When people tell me, oh, well, you heard about Herbalife? Yeah, I heard about it. So what's up? That's it. You know, I don't want to get into it. And, and it's not for everybody. I always tell everybody, Herbalife is not for everybody. 
Herbalife is not for everybody. Herbalife is for everybody, but Herbalife is not for everybody. I get all these people, all my family and cousins, they'll inbox me and text me when something bad happens to Herbalife, but they'll never ask me, hey, how does that shake taste? <laughs> man, you got great results. But they, yeah. yeah, they won't inbox me on that or call me, hey, man, how you, man, how you do that? How you lose that weight? How you feel so good? No, they say, oh, you heard what happened? Herbalife shutting down. You better be careful. Right. Hey, you know, I don't say nothing when you, uh, a McDonald's down the street is closing and you're working there. I don't say nothing about that. I say, hey, good luck, man. Go to another Mickey D's. I think, I think it, it hits on, like, kind of that, that why and that you said. It's, it's, you bring the passion around whatever you're doing. It's the case where in any industry, really, it's like if you're, if you're in any industry, what's going to sell is that passion. What's going to sell is that why, I guess. It's like there's a lot of people that could be a dentist, be uh, even a, a filmmaker, per se. And, but if they don't have the passion or they don't have that why, how can they really sell what, what they're pushing out there? It's like it sounds like you're wrapping up, no matter what the product is, with passion. And through that, I mean, you are pushing product or selling a service in, in all regards, but I mean, it sounds like it's the case where, yeah, you have to find that passion and you have to find that why around what, what, what it's about. I mean, and that's what's going to distinguish you from the rest. And that's true. And you know what? I remember when I went to a, a politician party in Hammond, and when I was in elementary school, there was a janitor named John, and everybody loved John. He was a black guy, cool, shake every kid's hand. Shake the, I mean, he was just, you just felt his energy. And he was a janitor, a loving husband, too, and kids. Uh, you know, he had kids, he was a father. Well, John retired, of course, because I was in elementary and I was a young man. I went to this politician party. The mayor walked in. And back then, the mayor was very popular and stuff. And then I seen everybody around the mayor. I wanted to see the mayor. I thought, oh my God, there he is. And, you know, everybody was around him and stuff like that. Ten minutes later, John came in. And everybody was around John. Wow. Everybody, and John retired years ago. Everybody was around John. And that right there kind of like, okay. You know, because I look at everything. And when I saw that, I said, wow, everybody's around the mayor because of his title. Everybody's around John because of the man. Mm. Even though he was a janitor, he had passion what he did. He had passion of being a husband. He had a passion of being a father. He loved his job. He loved the people at his job. That's called respect. And when people don't judge titles and stuff like that, when you love what you do. So you could flip a burger and you could be the best flipper in the community. If you love it, they're like, hey, there goes, there goes Eli. Man, that guy could flip a burger, man. What's up, Eli? They'll remember your name because it's what you love to do. Yeah. That's why they love John. So when I remember that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be like John, man. Whatever I'm going to find. But at that time, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was right, a diesel right. mechanic. I was like, I'm not going to be that too happy with being a diesel right. like John. But that right there is it's not the title, it's the man. And whatever right. you become as a man and whatever you want to do with that, hey, if you're making six figures and you have that John passion, you're going to make a million. But John wasn't not about money. John was just about his family and his mm -hmm. job. And you felt it. So everybody has a different path. And my path is to help my community as much as I can. I did it in Illinois, I did it in Indiana. And now when I went to San Antonio, I made a career move that my team was organically rising and my sponsor begged me not to go to San Antonio because, no offense, but back then they said, this is where Herbalife dies. 
Interesting. So I, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I know we, we, we were talking about you, you making the 9K uh, after, you know, jumping ship from and selling the, the barbershop from there. So, yeah, what was that transition like once you doubled down on Herbalife, you went to the suburbs, and then, and then what was the next step? What happened after that? I saw myself uh, getting stuck. You know, I can't, you know, I can't predict the future, but, you know, I know me. Mm-hmm. When you start knowing yourself, you know, there's some people that, you know, that they know them. You'll know you, but you'll still do the bad things. Mm-hmm. That's all of us. And I try and I judge myself a lot. I put myself like uh, if I'm in the corner and I'm a judge and I'm judging Eli. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, kid, you went that route. Don't go that route. Don't do this because you did this. I'm not a perfectionist because nothing's not perfect, only God. But if you work your butt off, you can be better than good. And you have to be a, your, your, your own critic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you have to take criticism, too, from others. And cause that's just going to help you grow. Even though, you know, I talk about the 9K and everything like that, and I knew I was organically going to grow, I was not going to grow within. Something was still hollow. I don't know what it was. But when I came to San Antonio, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. It was very hard. I jumped ship. I took off. I talked to my sponsor. They told me not to do it. You're growing, Eli. Pete. They even begged me. We'll open you up a shop. Don't go. I was, I'm, I'm gone. So I left. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I left. And when I started in San Antonio, <laughs> I made seven hundred thirty-two dollars for seven hundred thirty-two bucks the first month when I came oh, out here. God. Jeez. So, uh, yeah. And uh, oh yeah, when I saw that, I wanted to throw up, but I had to. Come on, Eli. You made this move. You got to show not only yourself. You got to show everybody why you moved down here. Nobody didn't know me. You know, like I said. I'm with a, I'm in Texas. It's a whole different breed over here. And I'm Puerto Rican with nappy hair. That don't fly too very well out here. I had to make, I had to work. I had to start all over. Like I said, when I was back at home, it was almost easy. It was hard, but it was almost easy. Over here, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Very hard. But you know what? It made me who I am. So I told myself when I came out here, I said, I want to be the better version of Eli. Mm. So I started getting into more personal development because I had no friends here. No, you know, I just had acquaintances. So my friends with Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, <laughs> Eric Thomas, those were my friends because I needed that help. Yeah. I needed that help. My father, I'll call him, hey, Eli, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you know, old school, 1975 boy, hey, yeah. bro, that's it. You got to do it now. <laughs> My mom will always pray for me. Yeah. But those were, I only knew two people, Angie and Nufo. And they never went to the nutrition club. So, and I was in the south side of San Antonio. That's kind of like the rough area. So I was in the hood again, starting all over. And it was tough. So I made myself as as a weapon Mm -hmm. that nothing's going to hurt me, not even myself. So I started working out, personal development. I grew the club, so when it's kind of weird because at that time, five years ago, nobody didn't know me. 
Now everybody knows me. Mm, interesting. A lot of people know me now. But when I was in the South Side of San Antonio, it was hard. I worked my butt off. I was two years inside Body Shop Gym. I, I'm always grateful for them that gave me the opportunity because they made it a little easier for me because they had clientele coming in. They opened up their gym in, I want to say, February, and I got in there in April. Mm. So they just opened. I just got in there, and we built that up. But uh, the owner, uh, Dino, he had clientele already that he established at his house. So they followed him. So that helped. And I went out there flying like the old school, like wow. I knew. So I shook a lot of hands and, and met a lot of people in the South Side. I, I found the leadership out here in San Antonio. I got plugged in in the Herbalife out here. I, yeah, we grew, but I wasn't growing inside Body Shop. Because that's his club. Mm. Yeah, that's And it. we're two alphas. And I'm an alpha, he's an alpha, so I had to go. You can yeah, only have one rooster in the hen house. If you have right. two roosters, they're going to fight. And we didn't fight like that, but... I wasn't growing. He was growing, but I wasn't growing. So it was almost like the barbershop deal again. Mm -hmm. I decided to leave, and I went up north, and I opened up Optimal Wellness. Yeah. And that was in, uh, now mind you, when I got the place, they wanted 2,500 for 2,500 square feet, but it looked like shit. Well, before we get into Optimal Wellness, I, thought, I, I find it interesting to hear so you, even back when you were even aware enough to be open-minded with growing your business with Herbalife in general, because you were too old, you were this older man, you knew you were wiser, you had to stomach that and learn about the business and really let yourself go and be humble, humble really, not be too full of yourself in, in, in that regards of like being able to listen and learn. And you thought you were too older then to then establish yourself, make 9K a month, then drop down to 700 and have to go back out and flyer yourself. Was there any animosity or feeling being that you're in Texas, you started, you were back to where you started and you had to physically go out, older than you were when you told me that story that you were older, to actually have to go out door to door, car to car, putting those flyers down. I find that very interesting that a man who had that success what made you or get you to that point to roll up your sleeves, go outside and do that again? Because I feel like a lot of people wouldn't do that. I feel like a lot of people would be too proud or at least to hire a kid to do it. Easy. That's, that's an easy. To me, it's easy. You. Mm -hmm. You, EJ, and Annalisa. I wanted to start my life in San Antonio, but because I passed all those flyers, because I did all those work, it was easy. It was hard, but it was easy because all I focused was my wife. Mm -hmm. it, it sucked, but I woke up in the morning at 4.30 in the morning, and I wanted to tell everybody I could do this. Nobody don't know me out here, but they will know me. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, like I said, I see my father work his butt off in the winter in Chicago, and I stood next to him, and I had to go inside to warm up because he's putting in an engine or he's putting in a transmission in five below zero he never came inside he didn't have to do that he could have just worked 40 hours but he did that because i know why he did it for me he did it for pita my my sister your aunt he did it for joey mm -hmm. he's i've seen him he's out there hauling a, uh he's out there pulling out an engine in five below zero why i can't pass off flyer 85 degrees <laughs> you know yeah so for you guys you know you're going to school I know you needed help. I know what kind of path you were going to go to. 
you know, like I saw my father work hard, but he worked hard. I wanted to show my kids, you could work hard in the beginning. Because if you want things easy in life, of course, you got to do everything. You got to do things that is hard. Then later on, it is easy. So I did things that, yes, it was easy for me over there, but I wanted to do this. I wanted to establish a new life for me. Yes, I started all over, but I did not give up. I just had a why that would just, I mean, it fueled me. That was my purpose. That was, my purpose was my fuel, and my fuel was my why, and my why is you guys. So that's, that's what pushed me was you. Mm. And why not, what, what I saw with my father, why not you and EJ, your brother and your sister see me? Mm. You guys saw me hustle. You guys saw me work my butt off. Not in detail, but I work. And now you're in this industry that you know is, is hard work. You yeah. barely don't sleep, and you got to get up. So I did that. And, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy because, you know, in the beginning, like I told you, I wanted to be an actor or somebody on stage and, and all that stuff. But you know what? Because I worked so hard with Herbalife, around that time when I was passing those flyers, Herbalife flew me to a couple cities. And guess what? I was on stage. Mm. I did get trophies. I did get uh, recognized. I did make people laugh. Because when I said my story, I make people laugh. I did make people cry. I was improv. I was doing improv on stage. So when, I, when Herbalife flew me to Washington, D.C., and Oklahoma, and Chicago to share my story two, three hours on stage, it, it wasn't meant for me to be in, going to Columbia and going movies or theater. But my stage is Herbalife and helping people in the community and sharing my story. Mm. So sometimes your path is not your path, what you create. Somebody up there is going to create a better path. So guess what? Guess who's in film? You. Yeah. <laughs> guess who's in theater? EJ. Yeah. So let's see what happens with Ana Lisa. So that wasn't for me, but I can still show you the work ethics. Mm. I can still show you how to grind. Just like how my father showed me. Sometimes, you know, as parents, we, you know, and I got parents younger than me that would tell the kids, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to be better than me. Give me a beer. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong with you? You're only 38 years old, dude. You could do it too. How are you going to tell your son or your daughter to do this and you're not even applying yourself? Yeah. You can't point the finger towards him. Won't you point the finger towards leading him? Mm. Won't you, don't push him away. Won't you pull him to greatness by seeing you at first? All right. That's where I don't. So if I'm going to tell you, Eli, do this, and I sit on the couch and drink a beer, you're going to be like, oh, oh, oh okay, that's, thanks, thanks, Dad. But I could say that to you because you see me work. Yeah. You see me hustle. So going from $732 working and working and working well i don't want to say all the numbers that i made but you know god bless me making six figures from 732 and mind you i had to go back cutting hair for a little bit at renee's <laughs> the one you met renee yeah I yeah cut hair for six months at her shop really that's why oh, I'm always, okay. I'm always grateful for her because i needed herbalife wasn't kicking it, it wasn't herbalife it was me uh -huh. i still had to work i still had to work so I had to go back into barbering. Yeah. I had a driver's license. And you know, I still had my barber's license, sorry. So I did all that. I started cutting hair. And again, I was making more money cutting hair than Herbalife. 
Yeah. But I knew already, no, I'm not going into that trap again. So I cut hair on the weekends at Renee's shop Fridays and Saturdays, and I did Herbalife during the week. And, and then six months later, I, I told Renee, thank you, because Herbalife picked up big time. Wow. Damn. So it's been this, this uh, really interesting. So I, I find it so interesting, too, and I think a lot of people could relate to it or be inspired by the fact of we, we grew up like, you know, a harbor, northwest Indiana. It's, it doesn't brew success. It doesn't breed success. It doesn't breed entrepreneurship. It doesn't breed following your dreams or going against the grind, the grind of it all. Like, I went to school in a lot of those places before I eventually moved to a nice area in Indiana where a lot of the times they just see you as a statistic, really. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's the hood. It's rough. I think, I think it inspires a lot of people being that, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter where you come from. It's finding that passion and finding that why and finding that competitive edge. I mean, we, we, I had that inspiration from you, but it, it, it wasn't necessarily you had that. You were able to take certain parts of your upbringing and use it as tools to better yourself versus creating excuses for that upbringing. Because you easily could have been like, oh, my dad didn't go to college, so why would I go to college? I'm not meant to do anything, all these other things. Well, it sounds like you were able to really kind of shape your skill set and, and, and strengthen your strengths through seeing your past and seeing what you dealt with as lessons and as tools, which I find really impressive. But, I mean, you are a man of color, you do come from the hood, and you're able to create this life for yourself over and over again, which I find really impressive. I, I guess you could say, what would be like some of the key principles you would say that time and time again when you, when you felt you were in these holes of this stagnation, of this day-to-day -day kind of rat race of it all, what were the things that were able to get you out of that mold and to live the life you ultimately wanted to live? Like if you could list a certain amount of things that were like key principles to get you out of bed and do the things you ultimately always wanted to do. Well, like I said, it started when I was nine. I felt like I was a star. Mm. You know, I, I, I felt like I was a star. And that's what a lot of us don't believe in ourselves, that we feel like, you know, there's some people that just don't, they feel like they're average Joe, and everybody's a star. Mm. You have to believe in that. And even though the area I was lived, uh, I lived, uh, the neighborhood, and what my father done, I felt in my heart that I was a star. There is something in me or something that I have to do beyond being in Hammond, being in the harbor, or working as a diesel mechanic. There's, I said, I'm not, for some reason, it was a fire inside me that there's no way in hell I'm supposed to be on earth doing this. I don't know what it is I have to do, what I gotta do, but there's no way I'm gonna be this. This is, there was something, and I can't really explain it. It's a burning desire that, and that's when I was, I think when I was nine years old, I felt like I should not be at this place at this particular time. I should be doing something better, but what I didn't know. Me older, me seeing the streets, me getting locked up, me selling drugs, me uh, being around my father, being around the family, being around my boys, going through all that stuff. I was maybe trying to find a path, what I'm, what I'm supposed to do, but all that just taught me. Mm -hmm just taught me, uh, you know, like I said, being in the South Side of San Antonio taught me to be a better man in this business. Even though I went from uh, 9K to 732 bucks, it got me tougher, not in a, a mean streak, but it got me tougher in this industry 
to work harder. Mm -hmm. Don't take things for granted. Work harder than the next guy. You know, it just, it just, it just, it just a fire inside me, and I still have it. And when I opened up in the north side, and it was a dump, like I said, I saw it way before anybody saw. And that was me at nine years old. I saw something in me. I didn't know what I saw. But me being older, I'm starting to see what I have to do. And what I have to do in life is, for me, what I feel good is help others. Give people opportunity like they gave me opportunity. I had numerous opportunities. And some I passed and some I went. And I just want to give back because I believe there's a star in everybody, but they just don't have the guidance or the structure. Mm -hmm. So if I could give them that it don't have to be Herbalife it could be something else but maybe Herbalife just opened the door for them mm. they're like man thank you for Herbalife I'm selling jewelry like Patsy yeah uh, thank you for Herbalife I'm selling CBD oil because like Matt mm. not everybody's gonna do Herbalife but because maybe I gave them a little spark or a little something and an opportunity that I gave them with Herbalife it found another opportunity with them yeah so Back going to opening up over there, Optimal Wellness, you know, it was a dump. And remember, I got hurt. And I told you this earlier. They had like 13 rooms. Yeah, I, I was there. So to kind of break down the layout of Optimal Wellness is you walk in and there's this big open space where there's chairs and tables and all that. There's a massage room for Matt's business. He's a masseuse with his uh, wife, Patsy. And then there's the bar with like sinks and all that and bathroom. And it's, it looks like a nutrition club. It looks like where you buy shakes or a, a Starbucks. And then uh, there's a wall with a big window. And on the other side of that wall is a whole fully functioning gym with a backyard outside with tires and a full gym and, uh, you know, uh, anything you think of. And that's where your office is. And you were telling me there, what, there were like nine rooms in the back? What was it before? It was a massage therapist. Uh, and a hair salon or something like that. It, it was just dark in there. It was nasty. It was disgusting. <laughs> and I remember I took my team when I got the key. I got it the key in December 2015. And I brought my girlfriend and everybody in there. And they looked like they saw death. And the only <laughs> one was happy, like going to uh, Great America or Fiesta, Texas, like it was me. We're going to do this. We're going to knock down this wall. We're going to do this. I'm like... Everybody's energy was even Angie, Renee, they were like, ugh, this is disgusting. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to have this, we're, I'm going to put this glass over here. And I felt everybody's energy. And one of my guys told me at the time, he's like, hey, Eli, don't do it, man. Nobody, nobody didn't, nobody didn't see it. Sorry, no. man. So I'm like, for real? You, you didn't see what I saw? And I'm like, no. So I wasn't gonna get it. I wasn't gonna get it. I was gonna go back to the South Side until I heard Disney's story. Yeah. Disney had Disneyland, you know, the owner. So he flew his leaders to uh, Florida, and he showed them like a thirty thousand acre swamp, and they're sinking. And he's like, "Okay, guys, this is it. This is Disney World." They're like, "What the hell? We have Disneyland. Why we're coming over here? There's gators and swamp. We're sinking." This is going to be the biggest park in the world that everybody in the world is going to come to see. And what happened was when they were building, they're like, okay, it's your world. This is your, you know, it's your dime. Go ahead. This is I don't know. They didn't see what he saw. 
Well, it was unfortunate that when Disney World opened, Disney died. Mm. And one of, the, one of his leaders told one of the leaders that it meant, and it's too bad that Disney wasn't here to see it. And that guy replied, he saw it way before we did. Wow. When I heard that, I said, fuck everybody, I'm opening this shit. <laughs> so I opened it, and I got injured. Oh. I got injured very bad. I had one arm. I was knocking down walls with one arm. People kind of felt sorry for me because I guess Angie, my girlfriend, told everybody, like, this guy is, he's, he's there in the morning knocking down walls with barely one arm, and it hurt. I was in pain. I didn't sleep, but I saw it. I saw it. And uh, then I got help, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I opened it, and uh, I was struggling. My Uncle Joel heard I was struggling in, in Indiana, so he had a friend out here that came to me. It was a Saturday. I was by myself. No consumption. Nobody came except Edgar. And everybody said, you should have just stood in the south side. You should have stood in the south side. You had it made there. You know, about $600 a month rent compared to what you're doing now, blah, blah, wow. 1800 bucks and this and that. So I'm like, I didn't hear nobody. I didn't listen to nobody. I just listened to myself. So this guy came. He's like, Eli, you used to be a diesel mechanic, right? Yeah. Your specialty was trailers? Yeah. Well, down in Helotus, Texas, this guy needs a, a, a trailer mechanic, man. He'll pay you $500 cash in the weekends. You don't got nothing going on, on here. You might as well just take it, bro. It look like you're struggling, man. I'll buy a shake. Just give you, man, he was my first consumption. I was like, wow. okay. <laughs> so he's like, so you want me to give you the number? I said, no. He's like, why? I said, kid, your guy can't afford me. He's like, dude, he's going to give you $500 for the weekends, cash. That's, what, $2,000 a month? Cash. He's, he can't afford me. He's like, well, maybe he's asking for another hundred. I don't know. He still can't afford me. <laughs> and he's like, how much do you want to get paid? I said, seven mil. <laughs> he's like, dude, nobody is going to pay you seven mil. I said, oh, yeah. One person will. He's like, who? Me. Tell him thank you, but no thanks. Wow. So I stood. I wanted the 500 bucks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? But that's not me no more. I, I let go of diesel mechanic. I didn't want to go backwards. So... I didn't make a profit until 11 months. Mm -hmm. And I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. And from a Puerto Rican guy that came from Chicago going to San Antonio knowing only two people and working my ass off, I could go anywhere in this industry and everybody goes, there's Eli. Wow. How long did it take you to get uh, all the renovations done? All that? From like you starting in? February. February. So like how much? December. It, I got the key mid-December. No, you know, I'm sorry. I got the key in November. It took that long of a process because I, I didn't, had hardly no help. Wow. But I was determined to do it by myself. It was going to open. I don't care if it's going to open like next year, but I was going to open it. Yeah, I got the key in November because I remember I had a birthday party that I didn't go to. Mm. And Angie got mad. You're like, you better come. And I'm like, no. I want to celebrate my birthday in June. Uh, you can't celebrate your birthday in June. I said, there's no law. <laughs> I was born in November. I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, but, and my mom, but I'm not going to say I got things to do. Yeah. So guess what? I called her in June. I said, I'm ready to celebrate my birthday. She goes, where? Hawaii. Because I worked my ass off, and everybody said, man, you work so good. Here's $2,000, and here's a free trip to Kona, Hawaii. Wow. I couldn't do that if I would have stepped back. Maybe I would have, but I just had... It, 
I had a drive in me that I had to um, do. I had a mission, and you know what? So far, you've been there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the the craziest thing is is not taking the quick bait. It, 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 a lot of times, it's, it's staying true to what your passions are, seeing what other people don't see. Easily, those things could flood into your head of that imposter syndrome, the the, the insecurities of it. Like, am I really doing the right thing? It's what makes you stay so focused on that and not letting those thoughts seep in when everyone around you is telling you no. Because, I mean, you every day were walking into a messed up building by yourself with one arm paying $1,800 a month, making no money whatsoever, taking those necessary sacrifices. What was that motivation not to let those thoughts flood in? Because, dear God, I mean, you go in agonizing every day and then have to pay someone $1,800 to go to this place that you're just hammering walls with one arm. Uh, how, how do you not let that imposter syndrome, those things kind of flood into your head? When people say I can't. Drive you. Yeah, when people say I can't do it. When people said I couldn't do it in, in the harbor. When people said I couldn't do an Optum Wellness in Lansing. When people said I couldn't open up a barbershop inside a grocery store. When people said I couldn't go on the south side because I'm Puerto Rican and dark and all that stuff. And people, uh, when people said I couldn't do it by myself. When you tell me I can't, you're screwed. Because I probably won't accomplish it tomorrow, but I will accomplish it. And me accomplishing it and me working and you see me like, man, he's still doing it? Oh my God. It, it's exactly that. It was like what you said. It's like you, you, you were able to build this like factual timeline of validation for yourself. You were able to, in those moments of like, the stakes just get higher and higher. You know, you didn't have the barbershop. You didn't have the community of family and friends. You didn't have the stakes consistently got higher for you as you went on through your career, your business career. You've been able to build out that timeline of validation. You've been able to look back and have that fuel you or give you that ump, which I think a lot of people could look at for themselves. I, I, I say it a lot where the mind loves to play tricks on you. They love to like create more negative moments in your head than reality will ever conspire. And in order to stay focused in that is, in order for not those tricks that to flood into your brain is to find those facts, those hard-nosed facts of what you've dealt with. Like, no one could do a like me statements, I say, of just what you've done, what you've accomplished, where you came from. So that's really dope that you've been able to do that and stay focused. And yeah, also not succumb to, the, to the, the, that $500 per se, because a lot of people will take that and get them themselves distracted. Hey, believe me, I thought about it back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, but I didn't go there to be a diesel mechanic. Oh. There's a song that said, your mind will play tricks on you. It's yeah. true. Your mind will play tricks on you. But you got to have a heart. Mm. You know, your heart is the one that's always going to make you look dumb or smart. And yeah. so your relationship and business relationship and so that, you always go with your heart, but always take your brain with you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your brain plays tricks on you. And like, man, you're like, what the hell got into you? What happened? Is it pride? Is it, is it what's going on? Is it arrogance? What's going on? Whatever it was, whatever I needed... I needed it yeah. back then because I was by myself. Even my girlfriend, even I stopped on the couch numerous of times because she didn't. She felt like I wasted my time, my money, my investment, everything. She think she thought that. And of course, what if you would have saw what you saw, you would have been on her side too. <laughs> so I was by myself, mainly wow. by myself. I had nobody uh, really. Yeah, I had the love and support with my family and stuff like that. But they felt sorry for me. My mom felt sorry for me and stuff like that. But I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. 
you know. But that's what people see. You know, that's what people saw back then. And but I didn't feel sorry for me. Right. I was just in pain because I had no arm. Right. And um, you know, it just you know it's kind of hard too when you have a nutrition club and you're opening up a new club. And you have so much pain that you can't lift your arm on the bar, but you got to play it off to talk to new clients because you're a new business owner. Yeah. Shaking hands on your right hand and, and you squeeze it. Some guy squeezes your hand and you can't because your nerve is just so messed up. I was in pain, in pain, but I never missed a day of work. I stood there till 10, 11 o'clock at night just to serve the last person that's like, are you still open? Yeah, come in. And just engaging with him, engaging yeah. with him. And because I saw seeds. You know, you plant seeds, you plant seeds, and you know, you're not gonna just plant a seed and let it grow by itself. You gotta go out there and work. You gotta work. So, I planted my seeds, I planted my seeds, and I worked my butt off. And it, and it, and it goes to passion and loving what you do. If I didn't love what I did, I would have closed the shop a long time ago. Yeah. But I love what I did, and I could see it, even though I was in pain. So, I got the shots of my neck finally. I was healthy, and then I tore my hamstring. Rollerblading. Uh, roller oh, God, I remember that. Yeah, so I almost got hit by a car. I was rollerblading. I thought I was in Chicago, Flatland, but I forgot I was in San Antonio. Uh, so the club was growing. The club was growing. I decided yeah. to go rollerblading because I was into fitness. And my neck was feeling better, and I tore my hamstring because I always got hit by a car, so I threw myself, and, and yeah, uh, I looked like a helicopter going downhill with my legs. And I tore my hamstring, so I had a bruise from my hip bone, from the back of my hip bone all the way to my... Uh, Heal. I should have had surgery, but I didn't because I had to go to work, and I went with crutches. It took me uh, uh, 30 minutes to get in my truck. Oh it my took God. me 20 minutes to get out. So I had to uh, get up at three o'clock in the morning to get in my truck, and be at the club by six. Oh my God! Just to get in there, but I did it. And my and my girlfriend thought I was crazy, and uh, I healed up. I tore my meniscus a couple times in there, <laughs> and you know, the thing that really. Um, and you know, recently the Bell Palsy. Yeah, the Bell Palsy. You know, and I told you this. I had a lot of injuries in my 41 years, but the last five years in San Antonio, man, I just got beat up. <laughs> God, yeah. I got beat up, man, with the Bell Palsy. And you know, I think, I, I think my girlfriend was right. I think the Bell Palsy came from stress, because I don't really talk to anybody too much. I got so used to just being by myself and stuff. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. When she took me to the emergency and, the, and my team said, get out of here, you know, I, I looked pale. I was almost passed out. So they took me to the emergency. They took my shirt off. They took me right in the back, took my shirt off, put those achy jeans, making sure I didn't have a stroke or done. Thank God I didn't. But laying down there, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is what I'm working to do this. So now I had to go a different approach now. Even though I thought I was working smarter, now I got to work a little bit much smarter now. I'm getting older now. Yeah. Now I'm not that young buck like uh, like I used to, but I'm not old either. But sometimes passion will take a toll on you too. Mm. So so I had to slow down, and I did slow down. And um, I you know I'm into fitness, and numerous times I had a uh, you know I had to stop because of injuries and stuff like that. But this time it was different. This time I took myself to another uh, different stage in fitness. I have to tell you something. The fitness game, I, I went up to part, but I lost my motivation somewhat. Mm -hmm. And people saw it. 
I was just not the same Eli as like motivating Eli. I didn't listen to too much of uh, personal development. I didn't read no no books. I didn't go to two uh, Herbalife conventions no more. I was just kind of, I was tired. Yeah. I'm human, you know. But I'm gonna tell you something though. What inspired me and what gave me a spark, and it was just only from Sunday to now. You, when you came into the club, it lifted up the club. And I saw everybody's energy just lifted. And you know, I was like, Jesus Christ, thank God. Because I needed somebody to come through those doors. Because you know what? I'm not comparing me to him, but even Jesus needed 12 disciples. He couldn't save the world by himself. He needed help. All right. And I'm not saying that my team, what I have, don't help me. They do. But they're not, uh, let's go, let's go. I'm the guy like that. Mm. But man. You know, Michael Jordan started winning when he started passing the ball. Right. So, you know, I passed the ball here and there, but my team just grabbed this shot a little bit like, oh, I missed. I'm not going to shoot no more. So I had that. I had to pick up the whole. I had to pick up the weight. I had to pick up everything and saw that. And when you came in, it just gave a whole new life to the club. Within those three days. And I felt it even myself. So, you know. Like I said, you know, you could be the person that starts dancing at the party, but there's always the second person that goes out there that brings the party out. And I think you're the second person that brought that party out. So you helped a lot for these three, four days, even though you were working. Yeah. But your whole energy helped me personally and, and my business and the people in my business and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you coming down here. You, you know, I know you came here as business and to visit me, but you helped a lot. You don't know how much you helped me. And I'm going to hear it more when you leave and stuff like that. So I'm grateful that you came. I appreciate that. that. Thank you. Within the five years, though, I had 31 deaths in uh, friends and family, and you know some of them. Mm. You know, I get, a, I get phone calls at the club. I get phone calls on my cell phone that somebody died close to me. You know how hard that is being behind the bar and smiling still? Yeah. Yeah, so that took a toll. And you know, I can't go to Chicago all the time. I can't go to Puerto Rico all the time. And with the hurricane, with my father not talking to them for three, four weeks to a month, that was stress. So, you know, I'm not saying, oh, woe's me, Eli, I got it. No, there's people that got it worse. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that it took, things took a toll in my life of what happened to my family and friends and what happened to me health-wise. Yeah. And I needed help. Everybody needs help. And I think you help. So, yeah, yeah. so, you know, so the club is lifting. I, I gave another lift. And um, so, you know, with the bell palsy and everything, like I said, I was going downhill a little bit, just a little bit. You know, I was still there hour-wise, but mentally I wasn't 100. Mm-hmm. And like, and like I said, now I feel like the old, my old self again. And uh, I just needed a spark, and you were the spark. So I didn't yeah. want to get too emotional, but, but it, it's the truth. I'm not going to lie. It, it's the truth. I needed help, and I'm happy you came. And, and this Instagram and everything like that, all this new game and stuff. Hey, you know, I still got a VCR that still flashes 12. I'm still freaking Yeah, out. yeah. I appreciate that, Dad. I, I really loved being here. And for context, I, I came in to help you with your social media game and... We broke down. I did more work than I thought I was going to have to do because uh, you, didn't, you didn't know what Google Drive was and some other things, but that's okay. <laughs> still dad. Flashy with your suits, but still dad nonetheless. But no, it was really cool 
having that experience and breaking it down and meeting all those people and seeing you do your thing. Like, we got up at 5 a.m. every day. Like, I just started doing a 5 a.m. getting up, and it's been hard for me. And it's and it was nice to have that accountability with you to be able to get up in the morning and go do that. And we were busy all day. Like, yeah. we were together, but we would talk in the morning before people really came in. But after that, you were doing your thing, I was doing mine, I was building your social media, and you were, you know, working with clients and doing all that. Yeah, I, it was really... Because I hear the stories and I hear you from afar over the phone, but I never got to really see it. Like, I'd pop in, see the shop, every once in a while I have a shake, then I'll go. But to be there every single day and to see your hustle and how much energy you give and the care that you give. And, like, honestly, you live a life that many people dream about. You get to go to a place that you own in a space of passion that you care about. Like, so many people dream to have that thing of to go into a space that's theirs. Like, I, I, said, it, I said it to you that, like, this all came from nothing. Like, all these people didn't have opportunities. All these people did You created a family and opportunities and, and a resource for people. And I, I'm just extremely impressed and moved by that. And uh, it meant a lot to see that, because that hyped me up, too. That hyped me up as well, where I even think about it. Like, I have a dad that has a business as an entrepreneur. Like, he's doing it. He's making it happen. And that's ultimately life I'm doing and I want to live as well that I think a lot of people do so this is the reason why I want to sit you down and like pick your brain and do that because I you know you have such a phenomenal story and, and I'm very proud of you I'm sure after this comes out many more people will be very proud of you as well so I am very excited with everything you got coming up and everything you got building it's the case where uh, yeah I think it was interesting for me in my life where I don't know why I, I, I wasn't mentally ready to even think of the idea to come and even help you. Like, I think about, like, oh, where was I during this time? Or where was I during, you know, helping you break down a wall? Or I, I think about it now, I'm like, oh, my God, I would be there, and I'll find a way, and I'll do it. Or, like, oh, I'll help him do this business. Or, oh, I'll help him build his brand or all these other things where I think it really does come down to timing and personal development where... You know, I started self-hype just a couple years ago when I was down and out at my lowest low, and I didn't even know what it was. I just knew this is the life I wanted, who I want to be, and I'm just going to believe in myself. And, uh, and now it's turning into a thing that like, I'm seeing now the options and what life is all about and, and, and what I want to invest in, and that investment is in my family and in you and in everything you got going on where I see that I have a skill set and I see opportunity. And I think that's kind of the entrepreneurship mindset of, of seeing that opportunity in people and everything around you. So I see the opportunity in you to help you and, to, and see what, where it can even go, even from where it is now. Which, which why, honestly, I was excited every day. I saw, like, the, the, the fact that you already had certain things set up. Like, you're doing a lot of work that, I mean, the, the future is limitless, really. Like when yeah. so and, and and I was genuinely excited for you. It's just funny that I used to beg people to work for me or <laughs> or help me, and now I get at least once a week. Now, do you need help? Do you, are you hiring? Uh, do you need some help here? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, uh, yeah, um, okay. You know, it just you know, like I told you, and I tell this to my uh, distributors and my team, yeah. my Herbalife team. We have seven streams of income in Herbalife. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the eighth one they don't talk about, now they're talking about more is a nutrition club. Mm -hmm. Because a nutrition club is an engagement for the community. And you saw it firsthand. Yeah. But I always say this, the most strongest tool in the nutrition club is the door. I always say that. Because the door, you don't know who's gonna walk in. 
mm-hmm. into that nutrition club. You'll never know who's going to walk into that. I always tell that on my on the stage and stuff. The strongest tool in the nutrition club is the door because that door opens up opportunities that you just don't know was going to open. You don't know who's going to walk into your life. You don't know who you're going to help. And you don't know who's going to help you. Yeah. So that's why I said that door, that nutrition club opens up so many avenues. It's very true. And you know what? There's times that I always tell people, I know it's hard to uh, nutrition. They said is expensive and stuff. And I'll get into that later on in life. But it is what it is. People, that's a mindset of theirs. But it's for me, is the engagement. I always have a saying. You don't have to buy to come by just to say hi. Just come by. Yeah. I don't need your money. Mm-hmm. Give me a handshake. Give me a hug. I'm cool. Later on, then we'll talk about uh, having a shake and stuff like that. I don't need it like that. Yeah. I don't need it like that. But I feel like uh, the social media is cool, but the whole handshake and hug is kind of fading away a little yeah. bit somewhat to a point. So that's why the nutrition club is very powerful mm-hmm. because that's that old school value in there, sitting down on tables and chairs and stuff. And that's why I always tell everybody, you don't have to come by. Just you don't have to come by to buy something. Just come by to say hi. It's all good. I think that's a very nice, genuine approach. I think that's. I talk to a lot of uh, business professionals and like, and and it's. I have felt more validated of just being a genuine human being talking to the most successful people because like, they will say, I don't. Before we even talk business, I want to know who you are. Like before, I want. I don't want to see you as Eli the filmmaker. I want you to see you. Oh, that's my boy Eli. He does film. I want you to see me as Mr. Corporate Foundation guy. See me as John, who does Corporate Foundation. That's my boy John. He does Corporate Foundation. If we have an uh, authentic relationship, we can create an authentic product or authentic service. And it's very. And, and a lot of people, uh, even in the film industry, is like, Yo, if you don't fucks with them you don't fucks with them if you have a connection with them you have a connection with them and then that's that's just is what it is i mean i think we have this pressure of the sale 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 like we have you know and that may be the case in yeah. a certain regards of like when you need it but yeah if it, if it gets to a point of just like a genuine connection of that handshake and getting to know a person that it's a seat like you were saying well my thing is my thing is you know i always tell people this and stuff when i tell my uh clients all the time and my team i said you know Ali's one of my, you know, favorite icons with Jordan and Walter Payton. But Ali, I always tell people, I said, Ali was 56 and 5. Mm. Uh, 56 made him, 56 wins made him the champion. But those five losses made him the greatest. Mm. Yeah. So I always tell people, too, when it's my time to go, and if you ever go to Puerto Rico, hopefully that's where I'll lay. And I just want you to just have a beer. I said, this guy right here. That was one bad motherfucker right there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's all I want. So what's the future now? What is the future? We're here, Optum Wellness. You have this dope social media brand up, ready to go. You got the Facebook group, exclusive Facebook group, pop in. What is next for Eli Vasquez Sr.? Well, what's next is the team is growing. And now I, everything that I've done, everything that I showed them, everything that we taught, and uh, I'm just laying back now. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm working, but I'm not working as hard. I used to cradle my leaders. Now I'm letting them go and let them lead. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we always tend to always want to make sure that they're doing good. You know, that's my money. Let them down. Come on, let's go. You know what? Let it go. Let them, you know, 
if you are if you are a good leader and you feel like you're a leader and you feel like you have good leaders let them go and let them lead because if you're going to be a leader and you have followers they're not going to be leaders but if you have if you're a leader and, they, and you have students one day somebody's going to tap your shoulder and say man you're a great leader and like oh my god for real i'm a leader now yeah so that's my thing i'm not going to do too much yeah i'm going to do what you saw and I'm gonna give people opportunities, but the growth is gonna grow organically because I can see it. People are stepping up. They saw me and it was beautiful. I had a phone call a couple weeks ago, uh, one of my leaders in Chicago, he said, Eli, we got you. Don't worry about it. You did more than enough. Mm. That's my future. I'm just gonna chill, man. I'm gonna have a couple beers in the weekend. I'm gonna work my butt off. Uh, talk to my family and then work like I work and that's it I'm gonna I'm gonna let it in God's hands now mm -hmm. I did what I had to do and, I, and it's gonna grow it's go I could see it now mm -hmm. I could just see it and you know like I always said I can't predict the future but if you grow if you work your ass off it's gonna be a pretty good future nice. well I, I love all this I mean it's it's really nice to have this conversation and like and it's dope to hear also that like I, I was able to give you that energy and that motivation as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, and, I, and I think it says a lot about like, we could do all the personal development, we could do the hard work, we could do all those things, but it never really ends. Like it, it's really about the people you surround yourself with, the constant investment of that personal development, that constant investment of working on yourself and getting that perspective and getting the energy from the people around you and, and like, you know, really keeping that going. I mean, it's the, I, I'm a true believer that it's like the learning never ends. I mean, it's a, a constant. It doesn't matter how old you are, kind of like the lesson you learned in the herbal life that, you know, there's always something new and more energy and it's all about the people you that know are around how, you. You know how people could grow to me? If they keep their promises to themselves. Mm -hmm. I believe that. If you keep your promises to yourself, if you, if you keep them to yourself, what you're planning to do, and you don't break them, You'll be successful whatever you want to do if you keep your promises to yourself. But that's the hard part. Yeah. You just gotta look at yourself in the mirror, cause that mirror ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah. If you can't look at it, you start crying, you better start, man, you better start doing something else. <laughs> well, we are crushing it. We're already over an hour. So it's the case. Oh, so where can we find Optum Wellness? Where can we find you those sweet digital plugs? Where can we find you in these digital streets? Uh, address? Old school. Love it. Okay. Address, yeah. handles, anything you want to throw at us. So, because some of us, you know, I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. It'd be okay. someone from all over the world. So, where if they're in San Antonio, Texas, where can they find you? If not, where can they find you uh, online? Uh, well, you can find me on uh, 8058 Vance's Drive, San Antonio, Texas, of course, 78230. Look for Industry Night Club, right? right in front of Industry Nightclub. When I tell it, hey, we're over here, uh, Industry Nightclub, oh yeah, I know where that's at. It's like, Industry Nightclub is like Excalibur's back in the day in yeah. Chicago, everybody knows where it's at. So that's where that's at. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. I'm yeah. getting better on Instagram. Getting better on Instagram. I, I will take it from here. Being Thank his, you. His, 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 I'm his still in training. Social media, his social media uh, creative director. So you can find uh, Optimal Wellness on Instagram at The Optimal Wellness. They also, uh, have a exclusive Facebook group, uh, uh, Optum Wellness 2 exclusive Facebook group. You can request to join that. A lot of exclusive deals, tips and guides, personally from my dad. So if you like this discussion, you like what he has to say, you could uh, go on that Facebook group and hear more and get a really like 
personal approach with the community of like-minded people that are around that that space where it's not just nutrition but it's lifestyle building as well so um, but yeah dad I am so proud that I have a dad that I can interview about life personal development and all those things I know it's been a hard road I know there's been a lot of crazy ups and downs with with us personally as well but ultimately I you know you helped me so much in key moments of my life and after having these conversations and learning and being around you I always get energy of not only what to be as a businessman but what to be as a man as himself I always get extra energy and and I kind of see myself in you and see that reflection of this is my father and this is how I have to hold myself and be so I just want you to know that every day we're together it just gives me that energy too to bring back to LA to be that person that I know I can be so I want to thank you for the motivation and I'm so proud of you to call you my dad and I'm trying not to get emotional as well but well I'll tell you this what I saw on uh, when I used to see on social media uh, it is better in front of your face so it's good on social media it's good to look at on my phone what you're doing I'm very proud of you as a father and not even as a father, it could be a, a somebody, my friends are proud of you. Everybody's proud of you. Even if they don't know you, they see you speaking and doing what you're doing. Everybody say you're something. And you're going to be something or it is something. When you walk in through the doors, you know, I always told you and your brother and your sister, you always walk in that people could turn their hair twice. And, that, and I saw that at the nutrition club. Um, so what I saw on my phone following you inspired me. But what I saw in person was way better. So I hope people and businesses and entrepreneurs get a little piece of you and hire you or do whatever they have to do to take them to the next level because they're not going to be disappointed because I sure wasn't. And I love you and I thank you for everything you've done. So that was the conversation with my father. I hope... You all got, I'm sorry, I'm getting into my feels now because I'm like realizing how great that moment was. We've spent the whole week together and it makes me want to visit him now. I honestly, now that we're doing this, I'm thinking about him now and it's like, I'm just so thankful through all the chaos that, which is our relationship, we can look at each other with respect and understanding. And that's something that, that's really beautiful and rare and, and I acknowledge that and I think he does too. I feel like he does. He choked up in the episode. I just want us all to take a second to think about the people around us. The people that we think we know. The people that, am I really connecting? Am I really asking those questions? Am I really checking in on those people? Yet I've known them my whole life, yet there's always something new to discover. And you may be surprised. and And those conversations may actually lead to new healing. Where in that conversation my father... I can honestly say that was one of the best moments we had in our in our relationship. So I hope you see that and I hope you feel that. And to either to learn something new, to heal, or to just bury a hatchet. These deeper conversations, rather than the go, 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 how you feeling, I'm good. It, it, it's what, it's why we're alive, I feel. It's why we're, we, we are here. We're here to connect and love and experience and grow. And it's, it's with the people that mean the most to us our family.